Hey, mate. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, just having a beer, mate. Mate, it is 10.30 and we're recording an episode. We're about to record an episode. I don't see the problem. You don't see a problem with mate, opening a beer? It's, it's, what even are you drinking? It's Colonial Pale Ale. They're the, the new sponsor of the show, mate. So of course, Are they? Yeah. You don't think I can drink beer, being an athlete? No, well, yeah, you're allowed. You're Am allowed. allowed? Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll allow one for you. A one. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna have one now. Have a look at that. We are about to record too, you know that. So just it relaxes you, do you reckon? It'll be a better podcast, I reckon. Yeah, better one. Yeah. Better with the pale ale. Thanks to Colonial Brewing Co. for sponsoring the pod today. Thank you, Colonial. For those of you who may not know, it's pros and cons time. Mr. Smith? Hey, who's that? David Zakopakarakis. Wrong. How the bloody hell do you say that? Pros and cons. What is going on, everybody? Daniel, how are you, mate? I'm all right. I sound a bit terrible, but yeah, I'm, I'm a bit sinusy. Are you okay? Sorry about that to everyone who's listening. Are you yeah, sure I'm, you're okay? I'm fine. Yeah, you're going to get through okay. a podcast? No, no, I'm really good. Okay, because we've got two great. very important guests today. We do. I'm excited. We've been wanting to get these guys in since we first started because yes. we knew it was going to be uh, juicy. Yes, very juicy. We've got a lot, uh, lot to chat on and you're going to have a lot to chat on because they're your managers, mate. Yes, they are. We're staying very close to home here. So Winston Rouse and Scotty Lucas and yep. obviously people with might know Scotty, uh, well, will know Scotty because he's a former Essendon legend. Yep, yep, former Essendon great. And uh, Winston came on board um, a long time ago now and he'll tell you his, his, his story, his managerial, managerial story. Uh, but very excited to have them both uh, on board. I'm sure they might have a few things to share if we go too hard at them. I know. Especially a lot about of, me, so I might go a lot of stories. Soft. I can't wait to grill them about you. <laughs> yes. I'm so, sure they'll be willing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. So so I'm not this, sure I'll go too hard. This industry is really interesting to me because the obviously the US-based one is massive and Mm. We're, we're building up towards that but yep. like i don't know maybe five ten years ago this was a small game and now it's massive it is like, yes. and they were there for the small time and now it's really really big definitely so I'm, I'm really keen to hear um uh, how their side of things goes and yes um, they got draft coming up and um, it's a very busy had, time of year for them yeah had trade week and all trade that period, exactly um so that's going to be great mate i heard your uh you you started running today Yes, first run today on grass. Yes, so uh, that was great for three months. Uh, mate, I was quite nervous, to be honest. I, uh, as, as we know, I've discussed on the podcast, I had the two surgeries um, in the break. And yeah, I ran a couple of times on the Alter G and then uh, ran out on the grass today and felt, felt good. Um, got through it, which was, which was good. Ticked the box there. We, we start officially pre-season training on Monday. Um, uh, so hopefully I'll be... Uh, able just to, to continue my rehab and, and run, not miss any sort of sessions in terms of I'll be running while the boys are training. Uh, that was kind of a goal for mine to be able to start when they do as well. So got through that session uh, today. Um, but gee, I'm telling you now, I was nervous. I don't think I've been more nervous running today than what I've been in or any of my 200 odd games of playing AFL. Wow. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't know. I've had the two, so I haven't had an injury like this in my life. So yeah. I've had a soft tissue where you miss a couple of weeks and, you start running again or had my shoulder or, or whatever and um, nothing like this where you've had to have a second surgery and then yeah, you just kind of don't really trust it. And yeah, it's amazing the sort of that mental game you play with yourself. So how long, like how, what was your running schedule? Because I'm assuming it wasn't going to be March to start. Yeah, so it wasn't much at all. I just did um, 10 hundreds out in the ground just to sort of get um, get the feel for how I'm, how I'm going. I've done three sessions on the Ultra G, uh, which is this machine that some people might be aware of. It sort of, it's a gravity machine that you take off um not even a gravity machine it's just you run it uh you can run at any percentage of your body weight so you can run at 10 percent 50 percent 80 percent of your body weight sort of blows up um you wear these special pants zip yourself in it blows you up with air and yeah you sort of it takes the the weight bearing off your off your bone so some guys do that in their rehab progress before they run out in the ground and yeah i did that for three sessions and uh, today was now my fourth sort of running session back, which was the first one on the deck. So felt good. Yeah. Just a bit nervous. Were you relieved? Uh, yeah, relieved. Yeah. Yeah. But you play a mental game with yourself. You sort of the first hundred, you go, shit, I'm stiff, I'm sore, I'm this, I'm that. But then, yeah, all of a sudden um, you kind of let yourself or let your body go and you relax. And um, I mean, I'm not coming off a nine month ACL or anything like that, but it's just more, I haven't really felt that before. I haven't had this feeling of, um, three months of nothing, no running at all, and then having to trust your body again, and especially your ankle about mm. running. So it's just it was just different for me. Um, as I said, I know it's not a it wasn't a massive injury or anything like that. It's just um, just it was a different circumstance for me that I had to go through, and yeah, got through it. 
That's good, mate. That's good to hear. Um, fitness levels? Uh, they're probably not great, mate. To be honest. <laughs> <Two months. laughs> um, do I look fat? I don't look fat, no, though. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I look right. Looking Thanks, lean man. and mean. Yeah, lean. Yeah, yeah. I might look lean, but I certainly don't feel. My respiratory rate, I think, would be quite high. I running. refuse to, uh, to to tell people what you're wearing because we say it every week, but you, everyone can guess at home. You're looking lean and mean in your kit. Yes. The head you. to toe yeah. kit. Yep. Yeah, um, got, got different shoes today. Yeah, the Paris, the City Pack. <laughs> Who would have thought? New yep. shoes for Dave. Yep. I got new shoes on too. Mate, they're the Paris City though. Pack. They're great. Yeah, they, they're, they're, yeah. I'm sure they're great. Yeah, not bad. Uh, but no, mate, it's hot outside. It's 35. That's real hot. You should be in shorts and t-shirt know, too. I've got jeans on, but i got yeah. short sleeves. We're yeah, all good. Short sleeves. I'm loving it. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get straight into this because I know uh, Winnie and uh, Scotty are outside waiting for us. So yep. let's um, get straight into their uh, chat. Really looking forward to it. Let's do it. Boys, thank you so much for joining us. God, that's yeah, terrible. Yeah, you said really, really good. Again. No, why don't we just continue <laughs> no, it? I'll just continue it. <laughs> Apologies for my voice. Uh, it's it's uh, I've copped a shocker this weekend. So I'm a bit I'm a bit croaky. Right in your ears too. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. You do sound good. Oh, big weekend, mate. I wish. Changing nappies at 4 a.m. is my big weekend at the moment. That'd be you and soon. I was going to say that'd be you soon. <laughs> no, no, no. no chance. Thanks for coming. Too in. many colonials, mate. I oh, know. Yes. <laughs> Good plug right. early. So, well so let's very let's commercial, start with Zach, from the start. Very have you have yeah. you guys molded this? Because he's a monster. There's it. We need to pull him back. We need to rein him back every day. He's head to toe in a bloody Adidas. Now we've got. Well, I want to thank Colonial as well. Yeah. But but he's dropping names left and right. I've learned from we, the best. I was going to say, are we are we thanking you guys for the, for who what we've created here next to us? No, we assist, but I think he drives <laughs> it. He gets it. That's this it. Day Commercial beast. What, yeah. what did you plug back in the day when uh, you were playing? No, very different then. Not the platforms either. Yeah. yeah. No, you know, true. like now, if you get a following through social media and that, you've got an immediate platform. Did you stand on any street corners? Uh, yeah. No. No. Any ads? Any good ads yeah. back in the day? No. Nothing? No. I mean, we War, war added us. Yeah, yeah, there you they, go. they were good. Yeah, <laughs> they've improved. Kept kept getting getting better. That's right. But now, but right. see, now we have to be. Uh, we're very vanilla and neutral because we support all the brands because our players wear various different brands. <laughs> of course, I don't want to list them all now. No, but we won't list them. And their athletes don't like handball us. They're out at Askia at all. Like, no, no, don't, no, no, not getting any no, like, down Christmas presents. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so, uh, yeah. they charge too much. That's all. Right. <laughs> 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 don't deserve it. Is that yeah, what you're trying uh, to say? Uh, <laughs> Get enough. Out of it. Uh, all right. So, guys, this time of year, November, busy time of year. You've just come off trade period. You got draft coming up. What's a what's it like for you in November? Uh, look, it's a busy time of year it just keeps going now so yeah. it's a longer year the afl uh, are very keen for football to stay in the news and yeah. really drive it all the way through to the draft so therefore there's a few different without getting into the details and, and boring everyone few different list management dates so players now can get cut or are waiting or training with the club without a home right up into the draft so previously after trade period it could really quieten down for three or four weeks but now with live trading the uncertainty around that it's it's kept the footy in the news yep. but it's all kept so kept clubs working more broadly because instead of having picks 5 25 45 that can change on the night so they need to be really closely across more players so and that means for us the uncertainty around our players is that bit greater so you're just going back providing information all the way through uh, trade period really yeah, kicked off the postseason mm. uh, with players on the move so a lot of support around that for your players and, and looking to get the deals done that the best suit them and their opportunity that's what re we're really there to provide have you got everyone locked away for the draft essentially or are you, are you still interviewing kids to get some more kids on board like, are you already then looking for next year's draft or say are you still trying to sign kids for this year for the draft not trying to sign any more for this year's draft there might be the old one that, that comes up late that is a smoky that, that might get looked at, but it's looking at the next 12 months and, and probably even beyond that as yep. well, the group that's coming through for, for 2021 and, and tracking that. You, you can't approach them or, or send a you know, letter of intent until their October 1 of their under-16s year. Yeah, okay, and then yeah. from then it's the process that the parents put in place and the regional managers of the club about, right, they're interested in management, they want to have a conversation or they want to hold off until their top age year. So uh -huh. I remember, I remember so okay, off. So I was in year 11. I don't know if this still works anymore. So I was in year 11 footy, um, playing school footy and that. And I remember, I just remember the specific moment, previous manager who you worked under, 
um, I was just at the end of school day with all my schoolmates and get a look at my number on the phone and I didn't have a clue what number it was. I picked up and it was, I said, hello and hello, David, this is Ricky Nixon here. Um, I want to talk to you about like player management. And like for me as a year 11, I'd never heard any, I never had any contact with any other managers. It was just bang, phone call to my number. I don't even know how he got it, like whatever. But do you guys still do that or is it more you said letter intent? You can, you, can you, is there laws around, can you just contact players or does it have to be a letter or... Yeah, I think there's more stringent rules around it now that just because I imagine that conversation was an awkward one for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely out of the blue. So they try and avoid that. Yeah, kid, they try yeah. and avoid that now through yeah. a letter and going through the regional manager and then generally through the parents. Yep, yeah. Okay. So then they they generally have an idea around, you know, worked in business or dealt with this sort of thing in a different forum. Yep. So they're well in the loop on what to say, how to approach it. They might look to wait. Uh, till further down the track or they might be keen to catch up for a chat just to learn a bit more about the industry and what yep. that might mean for their son or yep. daughter now so do you look at it the, sa- the same way as a club would look at it with recruiters uh, are you following the recruiters around and going you know standing next to them is that kind of how it works now and, and at what age yeah look it, it is in a sense uh most managers watch a fair bit of football so through their own eye and and a lot have done it for quite a while have an idea of who the best players are uh, it's almost two-tiered where there's performance of players but also a futures market. Where can a player get to? So a classic case might be a tall, skinny kid that doesn't do a lot at under 16, 17, 18 level but they can see once when he gets a body, develops, where he could get to. And then there's those that are just guns such mm. as a Sam Walsh or a Matt, Matt Rowell this year that'll be great AFL players but are also great underage players. And you can pick that up reasonably easily yeah most people could go and watch and tell you the best four or five players so but we do work with in with recruiters a lot just to i guess uh confirm what we're thinking around the opportunity because just because we like a player doesn't mean necessarily that afl clubs do so Mm. therefore we don't pick the players on draft night clubs do that so we need to work with them so how often does it happen where you've got someone lined up and then nothing it just goes away that player doesn't get through or Probably, probably have one or two every year that, yeah, that, that you've you've selected either 12, 18 months and you've pursued and and worked through and for whatever reason it just doesn't unfold from in their top age year yep. um, and it happens you know, once or twice a year and and that's the most important role then for the manager to come in because it, it's great when they get picked and you're organising the contract and the finances mm. but for the guys who don't get picked and the dream's still alive you want to be able to work with them to get them to a 19-year-old or a VFL club or a Sample Waffle club because they don't know what they're doing. They probably don't know why they've missed out. Yep. That feedback becomes really important and, and that's that's role. And we've had a lot more success with, with those guys, getting them picked up as a 19-year-old or a 21-year-old, you know, Luke Ryans and Tom Langdon's and these sorts of players who it didn't work out from when they are 18 when they'd signed with us mm-hmm. and then we'd followed through and worked well, what's next because the dream's still alive so is it a numbers game for you guys then like do you or, or is it real honed in and we you pick your talent you got a small pool well initially you do hone in you you have an idea who the top 10 or 12 are so you, you put a fair bit of time into that and then if they they may choose to go with you or with another manager so therefore as that occurs you start to broaden what you're looking at which can lead to in a sense there isn't an element of um, speculating on our behalf where you do look at a player and you think if he continues at that rate of improvement he'll get there but as Winston said for some whatever reason it, it could be some injury just general form or he doesn't develop because he just doesn't mm. it might be attitude or character there's lots of different reasons why a player you know can flatline in a sense in terms of his development and clubs can have players really high on their board at the start of the year and as the year goes mm. they drift and then others just keep emerging because they perhaps defy the initial thoughts of recruiters and really come on at a rapid rate mm. talk to me winston about why why player management for you like how, how'd you start out why'd you pick it and then say, what was say what was a big challenge for you? Obviously, Scotty's come in, played AFL footy. Kids growing up probably knowing. What was a challenge for you trying to establish yourself within the industry? Well, I think I went down the sports management path because I, lo- I loved football first and foremost, yep. and to stay involved with footy wasn't good enough 
was a long way from being good enough to play uh, at any sort of good level. So um, it was just born out of that interest. It was uh, I did a business degree, and um, it was about 2008 when when I graduated. And uh, at the stage, I had an interest in the sports management side, but knew how difficult it was to get into. Yep. Um, so I, uh, at the same stage, I graduated. The global financial crisis hit, and <laughs> there wasn't a lot of work going around for grad roles and simple sort of stuff. So. I then moved into, um, I was just doing a lot of hospitality and retail after uni and it was about three or four months after I graduated and um, on the front page of the paper was a uh, famous player agent at the time had yep. crashed his car into a tram, <laughs> yep. uh, drink driving and it said he was a Q resident, I was living yep. down the street and um, thought it'd be a great opportunity to get Didn't involved. advertising and, for you, was it? Yeah, well <laughs> I thought, all right, there's an opportunity, he's going to lose his licence, I'll, I'll put my hand up and, and say wrote him a letter and an yep. email and called and said, I'll drive you around for, for 12 months in exchange <laughs> for work experience. Wow. And, uh, and he relented after months and months uh, and finally got involved there, started with one day a week and yep. then it sort of eventuated into two, three, built relationships with some players and, then, and took all the smaller things that he didn't want to do anymore mm. and took them on board and, and became pretty valuable. Um, and it sort of built from there and it, it's a very low base to start with, but that's what it takes to get into this line of work. Talk us through that first meeting because we're talking about Ricky Nixon here. <laughs> we talk about that. Yeah, a little bit. But let's talk about that first meeting. So you've you've sent him a letter. You've you've seen this in the paper. You sent him a letter. What happens when you actually get to meet him the first time? Um, geez, it's a long time ago now, but <laughs> it was very very brief. It was just um, I thought I was going in for an interview. Um, but I think through the other people in the office they said, you've just got to do it because he's the only one who's come up with the idea. So it was five minutes and uh, it was like, right, you start Wednesday, come pick me up at 7am and, and we're away. And, and for him, I think it was a really productive time because as an agent you spend so much time in the car mm. and you're not supposed to be on your phone or making calls whereas he could just go really hard all the time when I was just driving him around and mm. And just been able to learn everything from him and li- not everything, but mo- <laughs> the things that, the things that he, a lot of the good stuff he was saying, because I got great access. Yes. Yep. You know, I got really good access for the fact that I think when you take an intern on or someone like that, you know, you, you keep them at arm's length a bit because confidentiality of players. Yep. Because I was always there, I was able to get such good access. So mm. it was a quick five minute sort of chat where it was like start Wednesday and, and away we go. And uh, yeah, it was, it was an experience. What about you, Scott? A couple of years on from that, you played quite a few years in footy. Come out of footy, you had another job, did you? Before yeah, you came to so Manhattan? look, my pathway was more around, you know, I got to the middle of my career and I thought, well, I was keen to stay involved in the game in some shape or form and I felt, and nothing's really changed, the coaching side really intrigued me. It was of great interest, but... Year on year, a lot of them got the sack. Yeah. And quite often, guys that you thought were doing a good job or could really coach were getting the sack. So I, th- I thought this with a young family, job security might not be high on uh, yep. the list of coaches. So the admin side was naturally the other side that I looked at. I did some study in that area and then worked at the AFL for 12 months as an intern, uh, worked at the PA for about eight or nine months. Then this opportunity came up in sports management or player management specifically. And I thought, well, and I still believe it really is quite similar to coaching. You're working with your athletes in a slightly different way, but in order for them to be the best footballer that they can be and also support them off field, which I think really that support off field has become more prevalent to cl- from a club perspective so you really tie in with clubs now yep. it's just a different look at it and uh, i really value and enjoy that part of the job do you um do you find that um based on like you know your play management here and probably when you were starting out winston i, I can imagine it wasn't uh the, it, there wasn't a lot of people in the game but it seems like now there's heaps of emphasis on this have you found that that evolution has happened or is it just from the outside looking in? Seems there's like a lot that? more independent little... Yeah, like, a lot more managers. people involved yeah. you hear about. I think it gets just a lot more media attention than it yep. ever did. I, I think if you look at the, the early 2000s, it was there was only three or four main companies in it. Yep. Uh, and then by the time I started, there might have been, you know, 50 accredited agents across the country. But still it was controlled by eight to ten and... 
and another 10 years later, it just you hear a lot more of the names because it's trade radio. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. They're quoted in the paper a lot, you know, and, and that's where it sort of launched. But there's maybe 90 accredited agents across the country now. Um, but of that, probably 20 of the agents control 90% of the market. There's still a lot of small lawyers, accountants and those types with one, two or, or, or no athletes that get into it because they hear and they think it's, you know, the way forward and um, the reality is recruiting clients is really difficult if you're just part-time. Mm. You know, there's so many full-time agents in it who do a really good job. So you're competing, you know, against them. So a lot of the part-timers sort of start with, a, you know, it's a good idea to get into it and as a side to their business and then after two or three years they sort of let it slide. But definitely the competition is 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 grown as an industry in the last Ten years. So on that, do you think that then, because if you look at the US market, which we seem to always want to do with AFLs, compare it to the US, do you think that um, you look at that often to see what they're doing and how the player agents are such a big player in, in these guys' endorsements and deals and then comparing that to when you started, has that just increased to in a similar vein? Are we trying to head towards that, that, uh, that direction? We always keep an eye. We do. As a game, we look to follow the... NFL, I think, in particular, uh, the agents, I think, control a lot more of basketball. If you look at it with Rich Paul and how he was able to manipulate Mm -hmm. that, it's a little bit different because, to me, the NBA, there's five on the floor. If you've got two guns, you can win the championship. If you've got three, you won't lose, where it's very difficult to manipulate, not only with the rules of AFL, but the the contribution that any one player can make. I mean, I heard an interview yesterday uh, from Nathan Buckley and he was talking about Brody Grundy, who is a star. But he was still, uh, as in coach speak, talking about no one player is bigger than the team and no uh, player is is not of enormous value, even if it's the, the 22nd pick. They rate them so evenly, whereas... The NBA is a bit different. So if you can move one or two players, you can turn a team from not making the playoffs to winning the championship, which is a little bit different in the AFL because there's 36 on the field at one time and that contribution, I think, is more evenly spread. Uh, But you do have an important role uh, in trying to help and support your players to create opportunities. So where that does tie in with American sport is I think that trade period, et cetera. But we're a little bit different. The big differences are we don't disclose uh, the player's income, Mm -hmm. which I'm a big supporter in, uh, I think. And for me, that just ties in with the mental health conversation. I just see it – we're going slightly off track here, but it will all tie back in. But, I mean, I I can see an article on a Monday if we were to disclose salaries of what player played to his dollar, who played above their dollar, and then – what would be of greater emphasis is those that played below the dollar, right. which I just don't think helps anyone as an, mm. as, or is necessary. I mean, uh, except for a few senior executives at publicly listed companies, the greater public is not aware of yeah. what everyone earns. And I don't think we need to know. So I'm not necess- I don't think that that helps the game in any shape or form. Uh, we don't trade players. You know, in an NBA, the next day can go elsewhere. So I think it's a little, it's certainly more transient and the rules of player movement are a lot more free. And I think that has primarily a lot to do with the amount of money a player earns. If you're on 20 million or 40, if you've got a max contract in the NBA, to get up and move to another town is fine. Yeah. Over, yeah. Generally yeah. overnight in yeah. terms of he just buys a new crib, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. ways. But yeah. if you think about how it works, well, uh, without generalizing but i would say very few wives and partners of nba players work yeah yeah (laughs) so therefore we're looking at most afl players partners work so therefore and that's why the mid-year draft is also a challenge as well Mm. kids in school it's really difficult to do that so there are some similarities but we need to always acknowledge the differences in our game i mean player loyalty i think in afl is still at a very very high level most players prefer and would wish to be a one club play now it doesn't always work out for a host of reasons whereas i would say in the nba it doesn't exist over there yeah i don't think it means anything to a player they look at where the best if you look at why durant and kyrie went to brooklyn and all of that it just 
I mean, he left the Golden State. Yeah, yeah different team of all time. Yeah. yeah, just a completely yeah. different mind. And they all appear to but want to be the number one. Yes. Whereas team is still, I think, the number one consideration in the AFL. And the conversation you have with players, it's still, for me as a one-come player, it's something I was fortunate enough. I do realise you need some luck mm. um, because clubs do want to move players on. But that's something... Uh, that I really feel strongly about. And I think a lot of the players still feel that way, I think, which is great. Do you think that both of you guys can answer this, Dave, as well, that, that, that it's the uh, internal in the club that's helped build that? Because in the NBA, like they've, they've built around with the, with, you know, like you said, with the salaries and with the player managers controlling a lot of things, they've built it so that those things can happen. And then they usually, if they can happen, they usually will. Whereas we've kind of built it in AFL so it doesn't happen. Do you feel that it's because everyone's, sort of internally team orientated from the beginning? I, I feel it's transitioning away from that though. So yeah, I, I feel like that's been the culture of AFL footy for a hundred years, um, having that club and there's and you've had limitations to, there's been a trade period at the end of the season, but now with free agency opening up with mid-season draft, and I feel like it is progressing towards the other way. So yep. I still feel like loyalty is in footy. Um, Massimo and I had that decision a couple of years ago where um, I was out of contract at the end of 2017 and I chose to stay at the footy club um that i love and like scotty was talking about but i reckon it is transitioning away from that and have more player freedom um you guys can speak more on that yeah. but I, th I feel like as a player that the afl wants to have that because it creates footy headlines throughout the whole oh, year head, head, off, head office so like head, office, head, head office exactly. are going their legs are paddling as yeah, hard as they yeah. can because they want it to completely change exactly but it's the clubs that are just i think their feet are going more slowly yes. and they appreciate what it could get to but they're far more reserved yes. so uh, for example you know the afl would have liked a pre-season draft next year bang let's get it in yep. and, and and work it figure it out later whereas clubs all provide more like well we're not opposed to it but let's talk about it yes. and look at how it could work and how it might not work so even mid-season trade yeah, and stuff is it too yeah. yeah like do your trade okay. that's right yeah i mean the big thing is afl want to bring it in but if you're west coast and freo for a mid-year trade they've probably only got each other as trading partners yes yeah, be really difficult. hard for a yeah. victorian player to my early point around family schools and that to uproot middle of the year yep. yep so therefore you can imagine all the interstate clubs when they talked about mid-year trade would have been pushing really hard against it. Yep. Mm, and you're yep. finding that at the moment there's a lot of players who are saying they want to leave, they're not getting through, and then and then you get all this talk about, well, they're probably going to go the end of next year or something anyway. So there's all this talk. That stuff used to not exist at all. Is that affecting you guys uh, heavily as well now? <laughs> I'll keep going. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, handball. Yeah, handball. Yeah, yeah, handball. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, look, players, they're always considering, yeah, yeah. And family circumstances can change. Uh, we work, and as through the trade period, a club mm. said to us, I mean, because it can get willing at times, mm. but it was a really good point. And I think we all can get caught up in it. But he said, well, we understand you guys don't work for a club. Mm. You work for the player. Exactly. Yeah. So our job is to do what is best for the player. Now, sometimes what the player wants to do might not be best for him in our opinion and we'll uh, let him know and chat through it all. What we want our do, to do basically is have our players always make an informed decision mm. yeah, and so then support them as best we can. There's the value of the contract is there. So, so a couple of years ago, there was a lot of talk about players. They seem to get wherever they want to go, no whenever what. they want, yep. in contract, out of contract. But what was relatively unknown was there was a lot of conversations being had that never got aired yeah. where club had gone to a player, we want to trade you in contract to another club because we want something back that that club have got. But the conversation goes from the player to the manager and they go, well, no, no, I'll back myself in. And that's where it starts and stops. So there was a lot of the conversations that never got anywhere from that point of view where the mm. player said, no, no, I don't want to go. And, and vice versa where the clubs have actually shut it down first and said, we will not be doing him under any circumstances. Mm. So, Whilst we look more recently and we think only a couple of guys of, you know, Tim Kelly didn't get where he wanted to go, Tom Papley, um, there's been a few. Um, that's been happening for a long time. Just not everyone's aired all the time. Right. It doesn't, doesn't always doesn't come get out. out that way. So, And that's what you've got to respect. You, you want the, the value of a contract from that security point of view, but you, you are signing up to be with that club for a period of time. So if the, the deal that needs to get the trade done has to be so much better for that club, because they own the contract. So there's a lot of value in that, whereas I suppose 
compared to America, it's mm. just a very different sort of system. Mm. And, and a, cl- yeah, a couple yeah. of coaches have raised yeah. that the possibility of trading players in contract yeah. at, at the club's discretion rather than the player. Right. Yeah. That which, opens up a whole... Yeah, wow. Another world there. Yeah, yeah, it does. Goes back to the, goes back the to cost money of the to living. Yeah. Yep. You, you guys are not on the American wage, yeah. unfortunately. That's we what we've got to be. Yeah. You'd be more than happy. Yeah, yeah, if you're on the big wage, you don't care. Like, if no. you're on $5 million a year, it's like, well, okay. Well, you you pack really up care. your bags, pack yeah. Up. Wherever the opportunity is. Yeah. But and it's do. cultural too. Yeah. It's definitely. very different. I mean, we talk about well, They go to college in America, so they're already traveling around the country at the start. Most have relocated already. Yes. And then if there's not, if you look at, well, a lot of the big colleges, there's not an NBA team in that town. Mm. So they know if they're to achieve their dream, they're going somewhere different again. Exactly, yes. Yeah, so it is quite transient to start with for, yes. for the Americans. And even as players, I mean, that want to be the number one because there's only a number one on each team. If you mm. become really good, you generally – he's got to move or you've got to move. So yeah. I think they're always open to that. Yeah, well, the AFL – have you have 10 teams in victoria two mm. two two that kind of thing whereas america you have one team one city so you know growing up as a kid there's a small there's only 12 players on nba team yeah. small chance you're going to be in that city yep. you're going to move or you play college somewhere else mm. so culturally growing up you know that whereas footy i reckon still victorian kids will be like I, I, 10 teams i want to be in victoria still i still reckon there's a chance for me to be that so there is a bit of that too. Um, With the, they don't. They never have to fully get their head around leaving exactly, home to yes. play yes. AFL yes, no, because exactly. if they're a Victorian kid, yeah. the odds are still stacked in their right. favour. Yeah, exactly. The academies and everything are in now as well. Yeah. So there's probably more a chance of Victorian kids staying in Victoria because exactly. Brisbane are, are pulling players out of their academy, Gold yes. Coast, you know, these sorts of clubs, Sydney and GWS. Yeah. So you, you wipe out four clubs just there who – are going to pick at least one to two academy kids every year. Yeah, so. exactly. Now I want to get back to um, – so I remember back to meeting with um, Ricky and, and that and I remember my parents, like dad was, um, yeah, pretty forthright in asking questions about um, uh, talking through a couple of managers and which one they uh, they want to choose. And Johnny had a big say, didn't he? Johnny had a big say and mum, mum sort of crossed the line through a few managers at the start. Have you had any dealings with some – some parents uh, and what is your dealings? Obviously, some parents are more helicopter than others. Uh, have you got any some any good stories without sharing any names of some dealings you've had when you interviewed? Nah, we got a hand, another handball. Yeah, <laughs> look, what have you we, got? We, we've had some some third person talkers at different stages yeah. where <laughs> they, they talk about their son right next to them and they said, you know, X player could be doing this, X player could be doing that, but yeah. you're lucky to be in the room with X player. And it was like, well, okay, that was a bit different. And um, but then you get. You probably get the, the ones who, and quite rightly, if you're going through, like it's your first business decision you've ever made. Yeah. You know, you're, you're 16, 17, 18. Um, you're probably wide-eyed. So having your parents there just to, to measure everything, keep it consolidated and, and make an informed decision is important. Like ultimately, the player's got to drive it in the end because the relationship is the most important thing. Mm. So a player has to feel really comfortable. Um, and you've had parents really heavily involved and set out a really strict process and table and matrix of how it all looks and who's got what and what happens if you go into state and all these things. And you think, well, this is going to be interesting when we do, if we are successful, how we onboard all of that. And often you'll find that's it. That's where it starts and stop. And they just move their journey onto their kids. That They just say, righto, you've made that decision. And you might not hear from them that often and sometimes you'll follow up with them. Um, other times the conversation is ongoing as the as the player enters the AFL and continues because it's the first time in his life uh, or her life they're not in the first 18 yep you know there's injury mm-hmm. there's pressure to perform so they can go into a bit of a hole at different times and you're speaking to the parents around well best way to manage that as a team you're working through so the relationship can be ongoing from that point of view but um, they're pretty good in general. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, Johnny hit me pretty hard with a couple of, <laughs> you know, he still texts me every, every yeah, now sure, and then. I'm sure he does. He's yeah. busy. But, but to <laughs> your point, it makes sense. I mean, yeah. most of the boys and girls that you meet, they're 17. So yes. it's questionable what they'll base their decision on yes. and how informed it is. So yeah. having the support of the parents, yeah. I think, is really important. Well, as a kid, you can just get sucked into someone that's, coming yeah, in that's and right. so being I think it, nasty. Yeah, and, yeah. My, my view would be if I had a son in a similar position is, you know, the, the couple that you meet, um, do a bit of homework before you start. Yep. And then it's like, well, these any of these three we're comfortable with, so go your hardest yeah. after that. But you probably don't want to open it up to too many. Yes. And, and 
to your point, just get caught up in it. Yes, Because, exactly. you know, it's just – it's really complex – but it's quite simple at the end of the day. Yes. When you think, like once you got drafted, I imagine you real, it's just about working hard, yeah. listening to your coaches, no different than at local footy. Yeah. A bit more on the line in terms of talk around it and pressure associated with it. But at the end of the day, it's a simple game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't have to listen to your old man anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, now you spoke a little bit, Winston, about the pressures um, of coming in just uh, once you get drafted. What do you find is the biggest pressure of an AFL kid? So – for people um, that don't really know much about footy, like you come in and all of a sudden you're an 18-year-old kid, yeah, you've got the pressure of maybe one coming in, meeting new players, getting selected for your first game. You All of a sudden on a pretty good money for an 18, 19-year-old, you've got a lot of downtime. The gambling comes into it, mental health, mental illness comes into it, mental health comes into it because the pressures of the whole game. And that. what do you find is the biggest challenge that you have to help with your clients or your players or just in general uh, players coming into the system? Probably just that educational side around their money, the expectations around their football and club, etc., and which leads to the broader mental health and having everything aligned. Because for some of these guys, they get drafted; it's their dream. Yeah, can be over in twelve to twenty-four months. Mm. So, working with them on what does life outside of football look like to keep that really balanced approach and um, to have something good. Because a lot of stuff in football is your uncontrollables. You know, if if I hurt myself, I can still go and work from home or, mm. you know, um, work from the office, whatever it is. My job doesn't get taken away from me. Um, for athletes, you get injured and it gets taken away from you for a period of time. So it can be very compounding for guys around that stress. So having an exit from that, whether it's the university or work experience, like really trying to educate the guys, the young guys especially, on – this doesn't last forever and, and making sure that they're working away at that um, because that mental health side is the number one thing that we're dealing with. That's that's the pressure of selection. It's the pressure of the coach doesn't talk to me. It's the pressure of this guy's going to take my spot or they're going to trade in another inside yep. midfielder. Like it's, it, it's huge. And, and probably going back a bit now when we talk about Scotty and I align with not making wages public, that's that's another thing that'll just compound it for yep. from a mental health point of view because and another thing for us to deal with is the way spectators will watch the game will change as well yeah because they'll be judging you on the money that you're getting paid and they will yell out accordingly mm. yeah, and definitely. and we just don't have that sort of system we we're a bit tall poppy in australia yes. so if a player is on a lot of money and not performing that is going to be the news for a long period of time. Yeah. So yeah. Well, it's already hard enough to play. Happened with Daisy yeah. Thomas when he went to went to the Blues. Yeah, yeah. Bet that was that, yeah. that switch. Yeah. And that, that was a big yeah. chat, and that yeah. was kind of known of that that I think conversation. Then he ended up taking a cut and all that. Sort yeah, of stuff. I think Tom Boyd. Tom has, Boyd has yeah. stated yeah. publicly That's that he felt, saying. and that there was a lot of media speculation, but it was just that it was speculation mm. rather than the fact. And yeah. I think he felt pressure from that speculation as well yes yeah. do you um do you find that these days i mean we're on a podcast that dave is co-hosting with me do you find that these days the opportunities are so vast that these players have yeah look they are this well in terms of for their own brand that's the word that everyone uses there's so many platforms now isn't there mm. to i mean you're on tiktok no, no, TikTok. <laughs> no, no, no. You guys, come on, Zaka. Come on, Zaka. No. No. <laughs> but, but, but to your point there, like, what? How do you guys feel? Players can maximize their value without then looking like a peanut. Like, no, you know what I mean. Like, there's, yeah. there's obviously a difference in the AFL. We're, we're players first. I think subtlety is the time. key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If it's yeah. pure product placement, yeah. then I think that can wear thin. Which I feel like you can get caught in the trap of yeah. when you're younger. Which yeah. I definitely would have got caught in it. Yeah. There's still a few players that still do it. Um, can be a bit cheesy, can't yeah, it? Yeah, like you look after yeah. your sponsors, but you don't yeah. want to. You don't want to just get. I remember getting sent a pot, a pot plant to me one time, and it was like, "Can you pot? Uh, can you um post put, it, put, post yeah. it and put me up?" And it's like, yeah, you, you back then when you're a younger kid, you do it, but it's like you look back twelve months and you go, "What the hell am I doing?" Like, <laughs> so I think yeah, you look after your major sponsors, yeah. but then it, there's obviously surely a point where, and Winston, you can add to this the point that. Players maximise their value, but yeah, you don't want to look stupid, do you? Yeah, you've got to really pick and choose what, what's important for you and, and what works with, like Scotty said, the brand longer term and the relationships you want to start there. But you want to have a choice. Yeah. Everything becomes a choice at point. You want 
sponsors to come to you because they like your podcast or they like your Instagram or what you're about. Yep. Um, but How then you, you can, can add value. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. To and, that. Yeah. And work it through from that. Well, I want to get involved with that company or I don't, or I think this can lead to something or our values align and, and what I'd like to do. So there's a way you can control it more than ever now because players have got their platforms and what is quite a restricted market because the AFL with IP rights, etc., don't allow you guys to get involved with yeah, it's very uh, yeah. it's very restrictive about what you can do yeah. what you can wear what mm. car you can be sponsored but what car yes. you can be sponsored by depending right. on these things so there's limited stuff you can do from a sponsorship point of view due to the AFL restrictions so yes. yes your your ability to control your brand elsewhere becomes important like mm. to your point earlier how you were saying it's growing it is, but there's still very few players in the AFL that actually make a lot of money from it, isn't yeah. it? Like it's it's still a very small pool. And your bottom, say you got 45 on a list, your bottom 36 wouldn't be making anything. Like no. your footy's your really core. your top eight no. or nine. Yeah. 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 That's and still very much in the AFL, isn't it? That's yeah. right. So your footy will drive. I mean, it's quite simple. The best players uh, with good images will command that off field and some don't want to do much off field whereas there's mm-hmm. a there's those that do a great job that perhaps don't have the profile of others but really give and invest in the company that they're working with right. and yeah. therefore that relationship builds but you're right with 10 teams in a city of 5 million it is 10 professional football teams yes it's a a lot of player it's a little right. pond yeah. yeah there's a lot of fish in a little pond yes. isn't there whereas yeah. to you talk about earlier like yeah. a one team like New York has what one one NBA team, forty million people, yeah, yeah. two NFL teams, <laughs> right? Uh, ice, couple of ice hockey teams. Like there's about seven professional teams. Whereas yep. we've got actually ten AFL, we've got two or three A League. Oh, yeah. Basketball's Basketball. growing. Yeah, we rugby, can keep. Yeah. You think yeah. how yeah. many? So the market is really diluted. Yes. So the opportunities aren't as great despite the profile of our players there's also an organic nature that has to has to be there because i think that now that a social has grown to a point of everyone kind of gets now that you're going to be selling stuff on that but if you're doing it and it looks fake or it looks cheesy like you said before Mm. it's not organic anymore and people it it stands out like a a sore thumb and and people pick up on it pretty quick do you think that there needs to be some sort of I don't know, training is the right word, but, you know, guidance from that and do you help with that stuff? Yeah, and it's a, fu- it's a really good question and an interesting one because a lot of the players that you speak to about what you can do aren't that interested Yeah, in that sort of thing. Yes, they are, yeah. They just don't care. If you said, okay, yeah. well, we can do a little bit, we can develop your social media. Yep brand and watch a post and, and develop some key themes because there might be a randomness to what they do right. some of them go i'm just happy to do what i'm doing well, i don't yeah. want to be i don't <laughs> want to be thinking about if it something comes oh, my way yeah, maybe, something comes yeah, my way but present a full yeah. plan and a strategy around yeah. well this is what it takes to get involved with the right. high level sponsors and they look I'm not sure I really want to use it. it. Yeah. I just want to yeah. post photos of my dog and playing golf. Well, it's and, and, and they might you know. be the same players that go because you're part of a team. Yeah. I don't want to look like a knob as well. Yes. Yeah, I don't want yeah, my exactly. team because yeah, yeah. teammates yeah, start to pet. Like we've had a couple well, of guys yeah. do a couple of posts <laughs> this year and immediately their teammates are all sort oh, yeah. of I've seen a cashed few of in. Those. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So yeah, and so they become a little bit gun shy after that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I remember players don't want to do it. We had the Telstra, the AFL got the Telstra deal. And um, unless you're two or three, your main players who are sponsored by them and get paid for it it goes into your annuity fund which is your retirement fund so you don't necessarily see it right mm. so you don't you're actually getting money but you don't it's because it's not given to you in paper value or form you don't see it so we had um, one of the boys or a couple of the boys rock up um, when Talsha came out to the footy club and they're like oh boys we need you to post more we need you to post more yeah and me do this and all that kind of thing we had to do a group activity and two of the boys just left they're like i'm not interested in this at all like <laughs> i'm not doing this like i don't want to be involved in social i don't even have right. instagram mm-hmm. i don't want to be posting stuff for tell show all this stuff and they left but they're actually getting paid and the real thing is that they don't see, see that, that because it's not in yeah. their paper value right. so you're still getting like good value for uh, you have to do minimal yeah. to get money but it's players, a tweet or a two yeah so the me- players the me- still don't want to so be the media is a big part of that yeah. like um players don't which I think we all can, ex-players can be accused of at different times, but the broadcast rights drive this game. Yeah. So really that's why a player 
is able to get paid You've what got to he give is. more to get more. That's right. So yeah. based on that, accessibility to players, which is always an issue, right. yeah. uh, is still the case. Yet players, you're right, don't quite see the bigger picture about if they contribute to something uh, in giving greater access to themselves or the yeah. game, then that can help grow the pie, yeah. interest in it, yep. membership, attendance. You might not see the money directly No, now, you don't, but, but it's a, a big... Yeah, and yeah. it might have been... And there's always a lag. So it could be what the players do extremely well today sets up the players for the next 10 years right. because yeah. it just there's always a lag effect on growth. Where, where do you see that going? Because I, for me, and I know a lot of players wouldn't like this, but I think if we are willing to give up more, we can get more money. So I, I love the NBA model, how they come into the change rooms after games and it's like your immediate press conference and that. But if you're getting compensated for that, I've got no problem with it. Where do you see... That, ha- that going in the future. Well, that, that's access. been the talk, hasn't it, for quite a while now around, you know, an open change room, free access if, if a yeah. media and, person... And even content during the day, yeah. training, like yeah. everyday access to That's right. I mean, day. they're yeah. still close training sessions, isn't yeah. they, yeah. from clubs. Yeah. So yeah, there is... Comparison. I think yeah. that's the issue. Like clubs, coaches, uh, I get it, but they're also restrictive in what they provide. Mm. Um, some players are great, uh, but then when they do... Like we saw this year, I think Luke Hodge was interviewed on the boundary yep. line and there was a lot of criticism for that. Yeah. So Because we're not used to it. No, all, that's like, right. Yeah. Now, yeah. for me, if he's comfortable doing it, it's not going to distract for his performance. I'd sometimes question, there's not a lot a player can say, so it doesn't personally interest me that much because yeah. they're not able to say a lot. But if that's what the fans more broadly want, then great, get on board. Yeah. But after the criticism, so the media want more access, but then they criticise the player. Exactly. Yeah. So what do the rest oh, of the playing group? What, what would the rest of yeah, the playing? Help anyone, no, what no, would rest no. the rest of the playing group have thought throughout that week where Luke Hodge was criticised? Yeah. Well, I'm never doing that yeah, if I'm course, going to get asked. Yeah. But if they didn't criticise, so, it wouldn't be known. Like no, they wouldn't. Of they would just slide under the radar. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. and I think. There, there is, if we were to wait, and I think we can be really negative society more broadly, that I reckon we're running a too high a portion of negative oh, to yeah. positive on plus. So therefore I get why they're also reluctant to give. Yes. Because as soon yeah. as it goes badly, they're actively criticised. Because I think the by and large, com- yeah. 90, 99% of players are great role models and do a lot of good in the community. Um that doesn't get reported. Of mm. course, there's some incidents with players. Yeah. They make mistakes. We all do. Yeah. But the amount of attention that's given to that is yeah. certainly disproportionate. It's, and it's not even on that too. It'll be yeah. how bad your performance was on the weekend if yeah. you get more access. Like, like I, it's a great juxtaposition. I find that so early on in my career, I found no, nah, no access. Get away! Like we don't want to do this. And then you come to appreciate that. Yeah, you can get the bigger pictures. You can get more money. But even for stuff for us now, now they're moving to say media and podcasting. I love American TV or American sport and they have access, yeah, so after games, after training sessions, during the week, all that, and radio shows and TV shows on ESPN, Fox, all that, they have content every single day yep. because some players spoken on, Alex um, or um, Tom Brady spoken on Tuesday, um, Patrick Mahomes has spoken on a Wednesday, LeBron's spoken on a Wednesday and they have access every single day to content. Yep. Whereas in the AFL, it's really only Saturday, Sunday, maybe Monday, yep. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, pretty like there's not much content and then Friday's picking back up. And in a sense, clubs are now competing with the media yeah, of course. for the content. Yes, so they exactly. want to own yeah. the content, own content and develop their own yes. media channels. Mm. So they're competing with the broader media. So they want to hold things back, yeah. which I get as well. Yeah. So and if you open it up, I don't know, it opens up massively. The, the, to the coaches in America are more accepting. Like the culturally yeah. too, they're just more into it. They, it's been there for a longer time. So therefore Except they Bill. Just, I think the owners are smart though. The owners go, attention, well, that's mm. where the value lies. So the more attention we're giving to it and the more openness we are, and I think that's where it all it's lives. because they want their money, mate. They're of course. All, they're all owners. Yeah. Yeah. The owners are smart <laughs> though. Yeah. And from a coaches in Australia, they're dealing with the 18-year-olds, whereas yeah. in America, it's the 22, 22 plus. Yeah. They've had yeah. media training. Yes. They're stars without getting the pay, so they've been sort of worked up into that position. And that, that's a big difference. Yeah, because I think the fear is what's an 18, 19, 20-year-old going to say, say under pressure yeah, yeah, in front yeah. of the camera? Yeah. Could he drop an F-bomb? Could he say something wrong? Could he give away the game plan? Yeah. Or, is does he just or, or does he just feel uncomfortable? Yeah. Yeah. That's right, yeah. unwanted stress for the yeah, sake sure. of it. Yeah. And then you look at the like the UFC, for instance, and how they've built their model of 
the complete opposite where it's yeah, let everyone do whatever they want. Yeah. Let anyone say whatever they want. In fact, let them drop F-bombs at the press conference. Because that will care. drive yeah. attention. Yeah. And that's yeah. what they need, don't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But You're that, not a mainstream sport yet. It's like it's coming that way. So you need that attention. Yes. That's how I find, yeah. Well, that's it, yeah. And yeah. I think I think that the the big thing from mine is that like those that you were talking about the three days a week, or it's, you know it's only a couple of days a week that, and that's I think why the negative stuff comes up because it's going to get more clicks, it's going to get more, and then there's not much else to write on. So we're going to talk about Hodgie, you know, what getting interviewed on the field because there's not much else going on. Mm. Let's hit it hard. We'll, we'll write something about it, and then maybe some people will jump on board. Whereas if you've got more access, you don't have the need to write negative stuff about that because you don't have to draw it strings for stuff. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, articles yes. now on social media reactions to yeah. incidents, you know, <laughs> yeah. from, from from Joe Average, but then also from other oh. personalities, and then there's the confirmation of other stories from right. from exactly, from those personalities. Yeah. So it's you know, there's a couple of different facets that are driving it all now. It's amazing where it's going, yeah, yeah and where it'll be in five or ten yeah. years. I mean, you it's know, like how we were saying, if we right, was it Joe Rogan, people were watching him watch a sport. It's like yeah, the reaction to you writing an article mm. about. A reaction, yeah. Well, they're smarter. Back to like Joe Rogan in the UFC, they now put a camera on their commentators, and there's like huge views on the reactions to like a knockout. But it, you don't see the knockout; you're seeing their reaction to the knockout. And I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I watch it, and I want to see what he what he does well, when the, they get hit in the face. Like, it's I don't the know, AFL like, coaches' reaction yeah, to it, you know, yeah. an yeah. incident, isn't it? Yeah, they always exactly. pan back. Yeah. So speaking of the game, where do you this time of year AFL? Uh, Always deliberating. Del- Hang on. Get there. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Um, well, talking about uh, rules next year. <laughs> yeah. Um, deliberating on deliberating, rule changes. Yeah, on rule changes and all that. Um, and they last year it seemed to be making a lot of rule changes. Well, they did bring in a lot of rule changes, which then brought down scoring in the game. Where do you see the game at as a player manager? And do you think any rules need to be brought in? Well, I don't think they're looking to do much next year, are they? No. There's been no talk of it. And usually Mm. they condition the public where they start to discuss it and, you know, take the temperature of what the average person thinks. Throw some things at the pre-season competition and loop them about this time of year. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I I get where they they were coming from with the rule changes. Yep. Um, We'd like scoring to go up, no doubt. Um, Do we, though, want scoring to go up? So, do we want scoring to go up, or do we just want tighter games that are more exciting? The AFL would like both, but I yeah. think you can't have both. Okay. Because if scoring goes, one thirty, no, yeah, like, which you don't yeah. generally no. get. If someone's getting the one fifty, it's a blowout. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because clubs are so good now defensively. I mean, when I started, there wasn't a great emphasis placed on stopping the opposition. It was a little bit like mm. if they kick twenty, how do we kick twenty three? Right. Yeah. Now, and I think systems. Uh, make it easier to defend. My view is that it is easier to stop a goal and kick one because I, I think that the kicking requires a lot to go right and, you know, it requires flair, creativity, decision-making, everything. Whereas generally you can coach, if you all in its simplest form without um, diminishing the role of the defenders because it's a tough job, but if you all drop back, it makes it harder to score. Yep. So if everyone runs back, whereas creating space and all of that can be a lot harder – when there's an opposition trying to stop you, mm. so I, I, so therefore I think teams naturally learned how to de- to defend better, which made scoring hard. So it's just there's always go, there's a great lag, and it's gone on longer than just a lag in that sense. Uh, I find it's funny though. I do find beauty in most games of football mm. because I love it. So I'm rusted on, whereas I I can see that those that can give or take or like it and flip and flop will want to see scoring and highlights. Mm. I get that. So that's the game's challenge. The AFL's intentions absolutely were spot on. They wanted to create um, or lessen congestion, allow the skill of the players to really shine, and I'm sure they'll keep tweaking it. But what we have is 18 very intelligent coaches that find a way around it. Yeah, they adapt Mm. and evolve to what suits and to make it more defensive. And, you know, usually there's a lag of – three, six weeks before coaches have worked out right. something yes. to be able to yeah. manipulate it into a defensive game. Adjust, so, so, the o- so the yeah. obvious one don't was lose. sometimes yeah, clubs exactly. thought, you know, the plus one behind the ball allowed a club when they got it at half back to then slingshot with the extra and the overlap to yep. score. Yep. Then they thought, well, it actually that does that make it hard? When there's even numbers, you don't have a spare in your back line to work it out so you can get held up there. Yeah, right. So, you know, there's yeah. always a contrary view. I'd like yes. them to put in uh, – 
play on if it's a backwards kick in defensive 50. They'd had that in their VFL, did they? Didn't they? I think a couple years I ago. Know. I just no, liked it. Defensive half. They had that. Defensive half. Didn't they? They had that in the VFL yeah. a couple years ago, I think. I think, and I think they also trialed it, you know, NAB Cup. Like a NAB Cup thing. Yeah, yeah like pre-season as well. Cup. I have looked yeah, at yeah. it. Just put, put a bunch of pressure on those defenders mm. again, even more. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to introduce a quiz. Yeah, we've got a new quiz. We've got a new quiz. We've got a new sponsor. We've got a new sponsor. I haven't heard. Give them a plug. Have you heard? Yeah, Colonial. No, Scotty's heard. We plugged it at the start. We plugged it at the start. So we're going to... I'm going to... Colonial... Yeah, I'm going to kick it off with a quiz. Okay, so this is a colonial quiz and I don't know anything about this. It's a colonial quiz, yes. You don't know anything about it. No. I just need to check one answer just quickly. Can you... Is the top question the right answer? It's so, your quiz and you don't yeah. even know the yeah. answers to it. I know. Am I going to know the answers? It's spelled wrong but correct. Yes. <laughs> it's spelled wrong that, but correct. Is that correct. what we said? That's yeah. Google. Yeah. Okay. okay. Right. Good to know. All right. Okay. So, so okay. the way this quiz is going to work is I've got three questions about Scotty and Winston. All right. They're multiple choice for you because you might not know anything. Are they brought to you by Colonial Brewing Co? They're brought to you yeah, by Colonial. So. Yeah. <laughs> brought to you by Colonial. So three questions each. There's a bonus question in them. So that, it's out of four. And if you get it wrong, I do have a, a tiebreaker. Okay, okay great. So because it could be four. Okay, and, and right. what do I win? No, you don't win anything. Oh, you're, you're, playing, you're playing for one of these two to win a slab of Colonial. Oh, okay. So whoever you get more questions right wins a slab of Colonial. Oh, well, we I'm just going to honestly try to answer the questions. I'm not going to pick it who I want. I'm not going to answer one wrong. No, well, or I, do well, I? Who, who do you like out of the two? <laughs> it's a very complex quiz. This is a complex quiz. Yeah. I'm very well, confused. I didn't want to answer you. I wanted to test Daniel about you two. Oh, so I thought, okay. well, that's the way no, to go. And no. then the winner Scotty's gets a got slab. A pretty big Wikipedia page. So I think yeah. that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> It'll test you how much research you've done. I've done absolutely nothing. So well, this will be a fantastic quiz. All right. And we have a bit of banter in between. All right. Winston's a very well traveled man. I want to say. Did you yes, know that? the answer is yes. Did you know that? No, no that's not a question. No, no, no. It's a okay. very well-traveled man. Okay. Where is it a segue into where, a question? <laughs> where in the world is his wife from? A, Colombia. B, Argentina. C, Brazil. I met your wife um, at your house, actually. Yeah, at um, my house warming. Yeah, but I don't think I we discussed. I I, I did I did I do remember an accent. <laughs> um, <laughs> he hasn't actually. He's kept the. Uh, Geography very close yeah, together. Yeah, no, I wasn't giving you much. No, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's there was Colombia, Argentina, or Brazil. Do you remember the accent? You know, maybe, maybe think about oh, one that you could be spelt wrong because that not <laughs> give it away. <laughs> Is it actually good, good clue? Google autocorrected that too. By the way, I had O. So you've just given away the answer. Yeah, you should be able to work it <laughs> out now. Colombia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank no you, one. David. If you think there's an O in Brazil, you're in trouble. <laughs> Colombia <laughs> pitches, mate. That's what Colombia. Yeah, 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 that's what I've been doing. I only, so I only just learned that a couple of years ago. Yeah, Google that correct. I got it wrong for a long time. Right. Well, there you go. All right. Ding ding. One. Yeah. Can you add in a song? We'll add in a ding ding. Yeah. All right. What year did Winston start player management? A, 2007, B, 2009, C, 2011. Okay, Ricky Nixon, when did it? He spoke <laughs> about it before. He gave away a clue earlier. Yeah. he. What year he graduated? He gave it away. Did he? Well, I wasn't listening hard enough. Clearly, you weren't listening. <laughs> well, I don't remember the year. Uh, all right, so, so sorry, 2007, 2000 and what are the options? Do you want me to give you a clue? Just give me the options. Do you want me to give you a clue? No. Nah. Yeah, all right, give me a clue. The year Scotty retired from footy. Okay. Give me a clue. Give me them again. <laughs> <laughs> that was of great help. Well, it can't be too yeah. much of a clue. 2007, no, exactly. 9 or 11. Okay, so I'm going to... Okay, yeah, you did say... Uh, 2009. Bang, spot on. Yeah. Spot on. Do you, want me to talk, do you want me to talk through Bonus, my reasoning? Bonus question. What was the name of the company? Um, I was going to say Upstart. It's not... Ooh, what, ooh, right, half right, there. Rise, uh, something Five, start. Four... Rising Three, start. No, two, I don't know. I can't Flying start. Flying start. I knew there's something. <laughs> start I'm going to miss out on my slab here. You are, yeah. Well, so two. Two, 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 yeah, two, in. two. And then now the last question. What was his first car that he ever drove? All right. A, uh, the answer is A, 1989 Toyota Corolla, a 1990 Holden Commodore, or a 1992 Ford Laser. <laughs> it did, I got a I got a question within this question. Yep. Did you drive Ricky Nixon around in this car? <laughs> Correct. And much <laughs> and, and much like Zaka, I might have had some personalized number plates for a little bit. <laughs> uh, that in that case, do you remember that? Hang on. Do you remember that? Me rocking up to train in my personalized number plates. 
in my first year. Did you have a black falcon? Nah. What'd you have? Silver. Silver, silver falcon. falcon. What silver were the plates? Zacker. Zacker. My sister's bought it for me for yeah, my 18th I, I had the 19th birthday. Did you? Yeah, present. I was like, yeah okay. <laughs> what it's, were yours? It's got it. Brilliant. What, yeah, yeah, what what we, Winnie. <laughs> <laughs> It's got to be the. It's got to be the Holden. It's got to be the Holden. No, the laser. Poor laser. Damn it, that was my first guess. But yeah. the, the the number plates. Uh, no AC, ooh, mate. Me and Ricky yeah, used no. to go on the country drives together. It was Damn it. Pleasant. Damn That's it. brilliant. All right, I so rocked up. I rocked up to a game with Dave. Richmond game. Richmond Essendon mm-hmm. game with Dave in those plates. Yeah, it was bad. D- yeah. Underneath, everyone's looking at. Once the exact day kicked in, I thought I need to get. How long did you before you got rid of them? I was. I reckon July of that year. I bought the. So you got territory. different car. You didn't get rid of the plates. No, you got rid of the, the whole car. Yeah, you got rid of the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Actually, no, no, I lied. I got rid of the car then, but I think I got rid of the plates in like January. I actually reckon I got to train in. I, I can't, wouldn't have taken much. long. Yeah, yeah, I was coming way too much flack. Yeah, and I was like, absolutely. I need to get rid of those plates. Who led plates. the flack yeah, charge? Yeah. Who was India straight away? Uh, oh, uh, well, definitely wasn't you. You don't remember him. No. <laughs> it might have been Lovey, I reckon. Yeah. Maybe it was Lovey. Spike. Or Spike. Spike, definitely, yeah. Spike and Wusha. Spike, yeah. Spike and Wusha. Actually, yeah, yeah. Yep. I've got that, yeah. I've got, an, there's a, my very first Bomber TV interview was with Wusha and he was yep. asking about the number yeah, of fights. Yeah, yeah. So it was Welsh, yeah. What's the score count? All right, so two out of four. Not bad. Sorry about that, Winnie. That's oh, right. 50%. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Right. They look like nice beers, but that's okay. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, question one. What year did Scotty debut? A, 1996. B, 1994. C, 1997. God, he hasn't given me much room uh, to move here, has he? Uh, so 2000, what do we say? 2009, you uh, you retired. How many did you kick in your first game? Zero. Goose Donuts. How, long, how many how many minutes uh, did you play in your first game? Not a lot. No, it was a bit different back then. You usually yeah. played about, I reckon my first three or four games, I played about a quarter to oh, yeah. a half in each because yeah. no rotations. Yes, no, exactly yeah. back then, yeah. Sit um, with the old blanket over your knees. Yep. Uh, what year? 94. Wrong. <laughs> 1996. 96. But okay. there's a bonus question. What round did he debut? What game? I don't get a multiple choice. Uh, nope. You didn't well, get it on your bonus it, one. No, you're right. It, um, significant. If it, yeah, significant. If it's a significant Anzac Day. Bang. Spot yeah, on. Yeah. Back in the game. You would always bring stuff back to, back to Anzac Day, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, no, no, anyway. yeah, yeah. Do you have any stories of it? No. How was that though, debut when you first Anzac Day? Like yeah. that's ridiculous. And yeah, that's amazing. A few of us did, about four of us did over two or three years. Sheeds was big with yeah. that, wasn't he? Yeah. Debut winning big, big games, games. Just throwing you in, but then sitting you on the bench. Yep. Yeah. And, wa- and watching the game. Yeah. So you didn't really play in the game. You just watched the game. Yeah. In your right. uniform. All right. When, All right, you, so you, when he's coming back here. One. All right. How many games did Scotty play? A, 255, B, 270, C, 285. This is hard because you got to – It's a, the years nah, – it's too difficult to figure out. Um, so, so the whole point of the quiz, mate. Oh, you can at least give me, give me some spread. Well, I wasn't going to say answers. 150. You know he's not yeah, going to play right. 150. Yeah. All right, sorry, go, go ahead. So 255, Two, 270, yep. 285. Um, 285. Wrong. Two, what is it, the first one? 270. 270. Uh, of course you'd do the middle one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My quiz has got a trend. I think I've gone A, B, C, D. All right. So last question. You need this right for the bonus question. Okay. We do. We always want a bonus question. Yeah, yeah, Come so on, you got to help me out here then. How many years of football did I play with Scotty? A, three, B, one, C, zero. Uh, you would have played at least one. 2009 would have been your first year, wasn't it? You're answering the question. I don't know. I was just trying to get one out of you. Uh, yeah, that's true. 2001 year. One year. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Good work. And yeah. Scotty didn't talk to me once. <laughs> He's one of those bibs and no bibs. <laughs> All right, we're into the bonus round. Bonus question. All right. Now, this is if you get it right, Scotty wins the slab. Oh, if you well, get it wrong, that's not fair. Winston wins it. Is that it. fair? Well, I couldn't think on of one of like both of them. Like, what if I, I get it right? They both get a slab. I'm sure mm. Colonial will help us out there. Do you reckon? We, I'm yeah, sure they'll, they'll help I'm us sure out there. Yeah, they will. <laughs> All right, they can both get one. One of them can get the, uh, the new. Um, the sour, they're really good. Okay. Colonial sour. Yep. Yep. Very good. The orange cans. All right. Question, bonus question. How many goals did Scotty kick in the final quarter against West Coast in round 22, 2007? Eight. You're going to give me the Wrong. Thing. I know, just, you got to give me the thing. I was just kidding. You got to give me four, don't you? No, hang on. You've actually just. It's wrong. You got it wrong. You said eight. 
Yeah, you didn't give me any things. I was there just no. jumping the gun. Oh, okay. All right, I was wrong then. Sorry, guys. Oh. <laughs> Only just. Only it just. comes up in the office a fair bit, this one, this conversation. Does it? Yeah, yeah. Going, yeah. I went hard on it, didn't Some I, too early? Seven. Seven, Six, damn seven it. In a quarter. Seven I actually quarter. do. I, d- I think I, well, you, first of all, you wouldn't brought that question up unless it was significant. Because if it was zero, it w- wouldn't have been as fun. No, so I thought exactly, it was going to be yes. a big well, beefy hey, number. Eight, eight, yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Seven and a quarter. Seven Take and a quarter, that's that, huge. Take us through your heyday, come on. Well, would you like me to go through each one? Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> each opponent. <laughs> We've so on on screen. We, actually, <laughs> we actually caught up with an opponent the other Just day. It was a bit like, oh. Yeah, got on a roll. minutes. Got on a roll. How do you... But they don't drop. And to the earliest point about defence, there's no numbers drop back. How did you not get double teamed? Yeah, no, no, no. Everyone played on a man. Yeah. Yeah, we well just had enough space. Yeah, just smashed the opponent. Yeah, because yeah. oh, we were fifty points down, got within eight. Yes, yeah, yeah, almost wow. won a game. And there you go. Mm. Just couldn't Fell win the winning goal over here. You started when? Uh, you, did you have a part-time job when you started? Did you start yeah, with full-time? Full-time as job. Well, builder. Yeah, wow. How long was that before you transitioned? To uh, so I did year twelve in my first year at Essendon, and then I worked full-time for about. 15, 16 months and did three days a week for a couple of years and then it just teared back. By the time 2001, 2002 came around, working in any shape or form was virtually impossible. It was before then. I had an understanding employer that when I started, he was happy to take me, just tear me back. Mm. Whereas if you were starting in 1999 and said you could work three days a week as a trade, no one would. So is that what you did? What what were you doing? Yeah, well, well, I was doing building. Building. Yeah, so I was able to keep working I'd finished my schooling and that, which was good. So I was able to help out. But for someone starting then, too difficult. So I was lucky. I was almost the edge of that time when yeah. players worked. Do you see Dave getting on the building site midweek at all? Well, uh, you a, know what, a few. I'm a seven-day gardener, mate. That's yeah. all I am. Yeah, I know. You've got a bit of work on <laughs> yeah, the Ponderosa yeah, out there. There's there. there's 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 there is some acreage. You yeah. sit on your drive on lawnmower. That's yeah. what I see in yeah. 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 on Instagram. You yeah. should come out there. It's looking immaculate. I moment. saw it. It looked like a golf course. I yeah. said yep. it the other day. We're going to set up a chipping yeah. little chipping. That's all group. I do, mate. Train and work in the yard. I'm a farmer. <laughs> but thank you, you two, for coming Thanks in. Thanks for that. Bless your boys. We're going to be sending. We'll get, go, we'll, we'll get you know what? We're going to do an Ellen or an Oprah. Right. Everyone's yeah. getting a slab. You're getting a slab. You're getting a slab. <laughs> Thanks to Chloe. Don't we have to look under our chair for the gear, <laughs> yeah. for the prize? <laughs> exactly. But thank you so much for Thanks coming for in. Guys. Guys. Great Cheers, to chat, guys. boys. Great insight. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into the podcast. And thank you to Colonial Brewing Co. for sponsoring this episode. Some of the most delicious beers that you'll ever get. And they're in a lot of great bars and in a lot of great bottle shops. Dave has had to run. He's a busy, busy man. Probably an Adidas picking up some shoes or something. Um, but thank you to Scott uh, Lucas and Winston Rouse for um, for joining us today. That was a bloody awesome insight from chat about their industry. Make sure you guys tune in uh, next week. We've only got a few weeks left in the year and some big guests coming up and a huge... 2020 year for the the podcast lots of big things happening tune in next week we've got heaps of stuff coming up really looking forward to bringing you guys some really cool stuff so tune in and you will hear us then you